Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The passion for the world's beautiful game has never been stronger. And now there is one place to get all your insight, analysis, and hot topic discussion. Especially if you're a fan of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy, or their heated rival, LAFC. It's time to roll out the ball and kick things off here on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, former MLS goalkeeper Dan Kennedy and soccer broadcast veteran Mark Rogandino. Four weeks of MLS play in the books, and that means it is time for another edition here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network alongside my man Dan Kennedy. My name is Mark Rogandino. Yo, DK. A short little week in the books when you talk about how many MLS matches were on tap because of the international window. But obviously we have the opportunity to talk a little bit about what the U.S. men's national team uh, has done over the last week, week and a half. But also the games in Major League Soccer, including LAFC's dramatic 2-1 win at Bank of California Stadium. And I know we're both pretty hyped up. uh, Longtime U.S. men's national teamer and uh, and standout really from Southern California, Marisa Dew, will join us in just a little bit here. Oh yeah, he's gonna he'll he'll bring some good insights uh, on both the national team and and MLS front and and remember he uh, he had a little stint with LAFC to see if he was gonna push on and, and try to continue to play so he's gonna have some inside information there too. Uh, when you look at the weekend, uh, I think we both thought that LAFC would be a team that could handle you know a, a team like Real Salt Lake coming uh, in. I short. told you last week, Rogues. I said that's going to be a trap game. RSL was coming off of a beatdown and in, in DC, and they were going to respond. Well, Come they, on, they man. Parked, I know. I know, but when they parked the bus in front of the in front of the goal, and you have a great goalkeeper like Nick Armando who made some big time yeah, saves, you know it's it's going to be tough for any team to break down. It's going to be tough for any team to break down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But the, I mean, this LAFC team, they got so they got some swagger about them. And uh, well, you know, good, good, good fortune came to to Walker Zimmerman. I texted him after the game when he scored that goal. Your eyes must have been closed. And uh, <laughs> that, that slight that slight deflection was just enough to, I mean, give Nick no chance. And and God, what a dramatic finish. Well, did are you sure that it deflected? Did he say something about the deflection? I, well, I feel like when you look at the video, you could also make an argument that he hit it squarely on the laces. And it, you know, we talked about it last week on the, here on the podcast with that new ball and the it way moved. it is now. It, it, it was I moving. Think it just, I think I, I forget which defender was in front of him. I think it just nicked his his cleat or his shin, or and it was ju- it was just enough to throw off the rotation of the ball. Um, I think there was a slight deflection. I, I, you, you should ask him. You'll probably see him before I do. Um, but no, I mean, nonetheless, it, it, and it, and it just kind of starts to drive home this, um, th- this feeling that the bank is is becoming a little bit of a fortress here. Yeah, you could. Uh, there's a there's a nice little piece that the LAFC uh, digital team did where they put cut together some highlights of it all and then some uh, post game celebrations, including uh, Walker Zimmerman leading the sha la 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 in front of the, right. the 3252. Right. But you'll see Walker in that little piece where before he's walking off the field, he talks about the magic and that there's something special, some fairy dust that's that's over the top of Bank of California Stadium and that. You know, it can, continues to deliver magical moments. Let's not forget Adama Diamande, the opening right. weekend against Sporting right. Kansas City. And now, and now in this past week, again, a stoppage time winner. This time it's Walker, probably a very unlikely source, right? You'd expect him to get on the end of some service or something. But putting one in the upper corner from 30 yards out, I, I don't know. He, right. he could probably tell you the last time he did that. I can't. <laughs> I played with Walker in Dallas, and he had a game in which we were hosting uh, Seattle in the playoffs and it was aggregate second leg um, and Walker scores a stoppage time goal um, to, to make the game tied and send us to penalty kicks. And then Walker steps up and he buries the last penalty kick to win the game. And wow. I told him, I mean, this was what three years ago. I told him, I said, remember tonight because in your career, you're not going to have many like this. And uh, I, when I, I was at home on my couch enjoying a, a, a adult adult beverage, watching Ooh, the I YouTube, like those kind of nights. watching you watching you on the YouTube channel at halftime, talk we about appreciate the, your support. The park, we appreciate the park your support. <laughs> and uh, and when I saw when I saw him take that first touch and and line this thing up, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me! This kid, he he's got something special about him too. 
And it goes to for for Walker number one. Um, maybe we're onto something here. Of course, if you haven't gone back and listened, folks, Walker Zimmerman was our very first guest in week <laughs> one here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. So hey, come on so the podcast. If, good fortune happens to you. That's what. That's exactly what I'm thinking, DK. That is exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, but but number two, uh, you know, he, he takes that touch and prepares it. Yeah. Just I, at that moment, right? You're just thinking, let's just hit it squarely, right? Let's at least just right. get it on frame. Right. Give it a chance. And something special can happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a what a strike it was. But don't uh, don't. I mean, dying minute of of a game at which you're hosting uh, an inferior Real Salt Lake. To your point, it was a scrappy, tough tough match, and and Salt Lake was opportunistic uh, as LAFC dictated the the majority of the game. Um, and Carlos Vela, man, this guy just continues to perform and he, he just so comfortably slides in and out of spaces to be dangerous. And then you have the dynamic, uh, movements of, of the blessings off of him. Um, geez, this, this is a, this is a team and, and these, these weeks of international, um, breaks, uh, provide some teams with an opportunity to catch a breath like the galaxy, like the galaxy. Um, and, and they, you know, Galaxy come in now looking forward into week five and they're going to have the line back in the lineup most likely. And that's when their that's when their game changes a little bit when when Ibrahimovic is 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 on the plate. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in just a moment here. Um, one last thing. You mentioned that uh, penalty kicks when you were teammates with Walker Zimmerman and FC Dallas against Seattle back several years in this league. Uh, how many did you save that night? Uh, zero because I was, uh, up in the stands. No, I was hoping for another magical Dan Kennedy story. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 I tipped two or I tipped two around the post. Yeah, and, yeah. You in know, my I, mind, in my I mind, I did. I had a walker to step up, you know, you well, know. I'm sure you were, I'm sure you were sending good vibes from your position, right? Oh man. It was one of the most exciting games I've ever, I've ever, to be honest, I've ever been to. I mean, I had a torn MCL that that ruled me out. I think I, it was against the Galaxy in September, ruled me out for nearly the rest of the season. And um, to see the team get, I mean, we it, it was one of those games where you're down a goal and you're just going, oh, this is over. And then in seven minutes time, that everything changes. It was it was phenomenal. And Stephen Fry had some great saves. Jesse Gonzalez had some great saves. And Jesse Gonzalez was the one that ended up coming up with a a big PK stop. Um, I forget who it was against on Seattle, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, that's the, the, you just talk about players with character and, and, and Walker's one of them. And, and it takes a character to, to have a moment like that, that late in the game, to have the confidence, the belief to line something up and, and, and take that chance. Um, and you, you know, this, this kind of reminds me of uh, you late in games when Gerard Piquet was playing for that great Barcelona team. If that Barcelona team was ever searching for something, Piquet would just push up the field, drive up the field and, and Puyols would, would be the one that would sit back and hold. And this is a great dynamic for this LAFC team. If they can have this, you know, overwhelming they already they already have the ability to get numbers in the attack and overwhelm teams but then you start adding more ingredients late in the game um it's gonna be really tough for opponents to get results at the bank yeah and just to add a layer to that analysis right there i think that walker probably learned a little bit of that characteristic from his time playing last season next to simon and because right. simon the more right. adventurous the of the two, of the two center the backs ball. Right. But but now that now now that Laurent is gone uh, and now you have Eddie Segura next to Walker, I think Eddie is the little more kind of stay back, stay put, hold the fort, keep things tight. And now Walker can pick and choose his moments to play that role of what Simon was doing and step in when he sees that space. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. He's t- yeah. And that's just the, the, this is one thing that Bob Bradley has done well his entire career as a as a coach in major league soccer is take young players. And I still, I mean, Walker's now mid twenties, but still take young players and, and take them from uh, performing in major league soccer to, ha- to being competitive on the international stage. And that's where Walker's going. Um, and, and Bob did it with guys like Johnny Bornstein, Sasha question. I mean, Michael Bradley, obviously. Um, and he, and, and Tim Howard and uh, Metro stars days. I mean, the, the list just continues to go on. Bob Bob's had his hand in a, developing a lot of young players um, and uh, perfect place for him to be. Speaking of the international stage, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast here, uh, talk a little bit of us men's national team and continue the discussion around our thoughts around major league soccer. And so, 
to do that, uh, an opportunity to uh, check in with another former great for the U.S. men's national team and, and a SoCal guy um, as we uh, turn our attention to All Marisa around Du. Good dude. All, All around, around good, good dude, dude. Mar- Marisa Du here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. And really pleased to be joined here on the podcast by former U.S. men's national teamer and uh, longtime professional Maurice Adu. We call him Mo. Mo, how you been, my man? It's great to talk to you, and thanks for joining us here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm doing well. Just uh, enjoying enjoying the start of retirement. Oh, yeah, buddy. He, well, he's on congrats. our side of the table, congrats, DK. You know? he, came to, he came to our side of the table what? now. He's in the media. Well, first of all, what a smooth transition. Unbelievable. Um, Mo, yeah, just why don't you why don't you touch on that, Mo? I mean, how, how you came to the decision. No, you str- struggled with some injuries later on in Philly. Um, just just kind of walk us through that. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you. I think everyone who ever played soccer can attest to it. And, and not even soccer, just athletes in general. You always want to kind of walk out on your own terms and right. you have this when you start playing pro or even when you're dreaming of playing pro your vision is one thing and then when reality sets in it's a whole different thing you know and so there's very few people who actually get to walk out on their own terms and unfortunately I wasn't one of them um right. like that injuries kind of hurt me towards the end of my career the last couple of years of my career is I fought to try to recover from injuries and it just didn't happen for me um and then this uh what, 2018 I kind of took some time to just really try to focus on getting back to being as close to 100% as possible, because I still wanted to play, right? I still mm-hmm. felt players um, that I could give to the game. Uh, and yeah, well, you're, only, you're only 32, right? 32, yeah. And yeah, so, you're young. Relatively. <laughs> Perspective, right? I'm, um, the old man. I'm the old man here, Mo. Yeah, compared so, yeah, to don't, Rogo. Don't, don't make me Rogue's feel bad, young. right? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, while I, while I was doing, um, you know, fighting through injuries and trying to recover and trying to get my body right, the opportunity came up to to dive into the media space and the TV side of things. And I was a little bit hesitant just because I wanted to really focus on just, you know, I didn't want to put anything out there that made it seem like I was just hanging them up yet because I was still had a desire to play. But yeah, Turkey uh, rope to walk in a way. Yeah, I didn't want to, you know, if teams were still out there, I didn't want them to say, oh, well, he's his mind is already made up. Um, but you know what? It ended up working out because I got into the media space, the TV side of things, and I've been enjoying it. And then. When my body just basically said, look, we've had enough, unfortunately, uh, it, it just became a little bit more obvious and and the decision had to be made. But like you said, it's the transition has been relatively smooth. Um, I've been fortunate to get these opportunities very, very quickly, and I've been enjoying them. It's good to work with people that, I, that I've known for a while, some former teammates. Some, right. You yeah, know, you, you have like automatic rapport built into the programming in a way. And I think that helps, especially when it's a – a space that's a little bit new to you. Um, I've always, I don't know. It's funny because as a player, you always, you're always talking about the game anyway. You, you know, for me, especially, I was always watching my own tape and, and, or watching games after the fact and pointing out and trying to find the good things that I did well, or that I did the bad things and trying to correct those things, breaking down like how our team looked against a certain team, whether we changed our style of play, you know, all these different things. And so now when I transition into this side of it, it's basically, I'm basically still doing that same stuff, but now getting to speak to a larger audience um, and then talk about some exciting players instead of myself. <laughs> uh, Mo, um, obviously you had a lengthy career, both in major league soccer and, and your time overseas, most notably uh, with, with Rangers. MLS is in, is in a different state right now where we're compared to where it was when you came in the league with Toronto back in 2007. And I say that because, now there's a lot of debate about something that you did. Young players immediately having the opportunity to go overseas, but but they're also on the other side of the coin. We're seeing a lot of young players from outside of the United States come to this league where maybe before, obviously, people thought, hey, this is a retirement league when guys like Gerard and Bex and, and Frank Lampard came over uh, to join Major League Soccer. What, take me back to that time. 2008. You're a rising star with Toronto FC. You were a number one overall pick when you came into the league. But you had this opportunity to go and play for a huge club like Rangers. How difficult was that decision? For, so it's funny. My when I was a kid, and this whole soccer idea or soccer game was brought to me and put in front of me at like I don't even know three, four years old. My you know the first games that I really watched were European games. Um, I watched Arsenal a lot. One of the kids, uh, and it's funny because when when you think back, I'm I'm making it sound like it's so far, but 
when you think back to those days when I was a kid, there wasn't, it was harder to find soccer on TV, right? So when you talk about the growth of soccer in America, that's one avenue already. But when I was a kid growing up, it was, it was, you had to actually be actively searching to find games or, you know, buying different channels. And my parents weren't going to do that. So I was fortunate because um, my dad coached soccer and one of the kids on his team would record games, bring them to us. And that's how I started watching games on TV. And the first team I watched was Arsenal. So my dreams when I was a kid were always Europe. I wanted to play in Europe. I wanted to play, you know, for Arsenal. That was, <laughs> that's the club that I grew up supporting. So that was how my, how I naturally gravitated towards European soccer. So when I finally did make the decision to turn pro, I had an opportunity to go to, to Germany. There are a couple of clubs there that had an interest in me. But at the time, I don't know, I just kind of felt like the interest that, that was coming from there, it wasn't, I didn't get the same sense of, of uh, I'm not sure the best way to put it. When I when the interest came from MLS, and, and I mean, in some ways, I kind of knew I was going to Toronto, I knew that the interest was genuine. Like, they really wanted me there. They wanted to kind of build a team around me, and I was going to be a focal point of that team. And at that point in time, at that age, I thought that was important for me to, to make sure that I was going to continue to play games and and play meaningful games, meaningful minutes, be a, a big part of that team. And I thought that was the next step for me in my development. But I still always had the vision and the idea that I wanted to go to Europe. Actually, when I first met Mo Johnson, um, I just it was just right after the draft. Uh, I had to fly to Toronto to do some media stuff. Like you said, I was the first pick, so they wanted to do like a lot of campaigns and whatnot around me. And Mo actually was staying in my hotel, and he called me down to the bar, and I'm like, I'm a nervous kid at this point. <laughs> no Mo Johnson CD and everything. So I'm like, right. how do I, how should I navigate this or whatnot? And <clears throat> he's like, yeah, you want to drink? I'm like, eh, nah, I'm a chill. But uh, we had a good conversation and we just, he asked me directly, you know, my, what my goals were for this season, what my goals were in general, where I saw myself five, 10 years and, you know, what my aspirations were in this game. And I told him straight up, I was like, look, I, I'm excited to be here in Toronto. I want to do well here, but ultimately I want to go to Europe. And his response to me was like, he was, he was, pleased he was happy with that response he was like right. look you give me a couple good seasons here and I'm gonna do whatever I can to to help you get there and you know to his credit when the offer when the offer came in from Rangers um you know he didn't stop me from going he didn't hold back he actually made the transition smooth and so a lot of credit I give to him for, for making that happen because that could have it could have easily been a case where he was like no we don't want to sell this player or or we want more yeah, money. We, we, we hear yeah. about this all the time right clubs exactly. just kind of holding on to players yeah and so for me so to answer your question I mean I, I love my time in Toronto. I wish there was a, it was possible that I could have spent more time there, but still gone to Rangers at the same time. Because, like I said, my dream was always to get to Europe. I, I wanted to play in Champions League. I wanted to win trophies. I wanted to just experience a European atmosphere. And fortunately, I went to a club that has a massive fan base and a, a real culture around the club. And right. to, to experience that, I couldn't have drawn it up any better. Right. Yeah. And and so now, Mo, I mean, we've seen all this transition with the U.S. men's national team. After you went to Europe, you obviously had a a, a big role with with the U.S. men's national team. And and w w give us just your uh, opinion on on the state of uh, of U.S. men's soccer at the at the first team level under Greg Berhalter. I think there's it's a there's a real call for optimism. You know, I think after we didn't qualify for the World Cup, of course, there was the outcry and the disappointment and the hurt and the, that still exists now. And I think the team is, is slowly starting to chip away at that. It's always going to be a, a sore subject for, for real passion in American fans. Cause you know, we all know what that, what the world cup means to not just this country, but to countries in general, it really galvanizes it galvanizes a whole country together and just, you know, us. Yeah. Everyone's a us supporter. So that really hurt us and took us a little, a couple of steps back. But with this new group of players, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of potential in this group. Guys who have made the jump to Europe at a younger age than I did and are, are you know, even more successful than I was. So there's a lot of good starting points. I think when you look at the, the last four games, man, this is this is some good stuff to see. Are we is it is this the final product? No. Is there still a lot right. of growth? Of course. But I think these first few steps along the way, I mean, it's been a nice little climb. You start off with, you know, the Panama and Costa Rica, where obviously the competition level isn't as high, but you you don't control your opponent. You control what you do on the pitch. You control mm -hmm. your game plan and, and how you play. And I thought they went out there and they executed the game plan. Greg came into the camp talking about he had a few um, objectives that he wanted to hit and, and really showcase through these games. And I thought he did that, you know, style of play, um, 
I think he said the team showing commitment and, and willingness to compete. Um, and but anyway, yeah. And then now you progress and you play against a little, a somewhat what should have been a tougher opponent in, in Ecuador. And I don't know what their, I don't know what their whole story was or why they chose not to even try to compete or try to, you know, attack in the final third. But whatever. Again, you can't compo- you can't control your opponent. I thought the U.S. did a great job dominating that game. It was the first time that you saw the whole team together, so you would expect there's going to be a little bit of. I don't want to say rustiness, but, you know, guys not necessarily being on the same page, a little, you know, little slight things. But overall, you still saw a consistent style of play. You still saw them possessing the ball. You still saw saw them dominating in in pretty much every third of the pitch, just lacking a little bit in in the final third. But a lot of good starting points. And then against a a Chilean side, which is another step up, a team that's going to press you higher up the pitch, a team that's going to you know, put you in a lot more uncomfortable situations. I thought they handled themselves relatively well. And you factor in, that's a change a change team now. You know, there's seven changes made to that lineup. So guys who haven't been playing as much or who haven't been featured in games prior to that. So I think when you just you put everything into perspective, there's a lot of good that's come out of these last four games undefeated. You've only conceded one goal. These are all things that boost your confidence. Yeah, I agree, man. I I I uh, I, I think they've exceeded my expectations. I thought with Greg coming in, just his tactics and style, it was going to take a long time to get these guys on the same page because you're running camps, not 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 seasons, right? And and to get everybody on the same page and changing styles, um, seems like the players are bought in. It, it does feel like there's been a culture shift with him him coming on board. I mean, it was such a long transition before he was hired. Um, but the, yeah, the, the performance against Chile, I thought was gritty and that, 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 that's a good sign that, that kind of, I mean, we, we can talk about like style of soccer all we want, but the one thing the U S men's national team's always been is, is, is gritty. Uh, and to see that back out there against it, I mean, Chile is no pushover, man. That's a, that's a top, a top team out of South America. Um, it was a good, good performance, certainly a good way for them to wrap up. DK, I would also say, you know, if you look at all of this collectively, I think for fans and Mo, I think you would probably agree for fans of the U S national team. Now, all of a sudden you're feeling a shift, right? We're starting to put that disappointment of not making a world cup a little further away into the rear view mirror. And now there's some of that excitement coming back where you're like, Oh wow, maybe we're we're getting on the right track, and this is this is starting to improve under the new regime of Greg Berhalter. For sure, and that's you know that's that's where that optimism exists. You know, when you, I think the the biggest thing is to just give the fans that belief again. Uh, a lot of fans' heads dropped, and there was just such a dissension that swarmed around U.S. soccer when we didn't qualify, and you know, rightfully so, you would expect that. So we're now starting to just kind of regain that a little bit, that that confidence, that belief where people actually, okay, look, there's something, there's something brewing here. Is it gonna happen? Is is the gold cup gonna be where it all comes to a, comes to a head and it's like this is the perfect product? I don't know. That's a little, it's still a little bit early, especially in this right. cycle, and especially for a coach like Greg, who you you mentioned before is very detail oriented and he gives a lot of information. He has a really specific and and detailed game plan and style that he wants to execute. And so for everyone to not only hear that information, but receive that information and then be able to apply it. I don't think that happens overnight. I don't think right. it happens in four games. I don't think it happens in 10 games. So right. what this team looks like in a year. Okay. And then we can start really start, start to assess like, okay, what's worked, what hasn't worked. The goal cup will be a good measurement just because it's a competition. There's no substitute mm-hmm. competition. So is it is it Copa America? Is it a World Cup? No, but it's still going to be a strong competition where we're expected to be a dominant team. We're expected to win. And I think when you have that kind of scenario where there's that added pressure, it's going to showcase the, the real um, character of this team and how far they've really come. Uh, here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network, we'd also like to focus in on two of the local SoCal teams here, Mo, uh, specifically LAFC and the LA Galaxy. So as we shift our attention a little bit here on the pod to to the club scene, what what have you made of the first month of MLS here in 2019? Uh, I mean, before we even jump to that, I guess we we should, if we're talking MLS, you got to start with with your two finalists last year, right? What what's what's going on? Atlanta, <laughs> <laughs> the old hangover, the old it, hangover. It, it's seriously, and it's it's kind of um, I think if you were to ask pundits 
going into this season, oh, who's your pick? A lot of, I'd say, eight, nine out of ten probably would have picked Atlanta again. And I don't want to write them off. But it's interesting when you when you look at through three games, they have, what, two points, which I don't think anyone would have predicted. Still very early, so don't I don't think anyone should read too much into it. But it's just there are some things to kind of pay attention to. I don't think anyone anticipated. I won't say I don't think anyone, but I don't – the well, lack of goal scoring. The lack of goal scoring is, is with all that talent is amazing. It, it, it this is, is what happened to Toronto really, too. I mean, Toronto won it and then and then didn't make the playoffs last season. Yeah, I don't think people realize how big a loss Almiron is going to be though. Yeah, uh, his, his um not only obviously he was his one two tandem with with Joseph Martinez is unbelievable or was unbelievable, but I think his ability to run with the ball to to not only be able to play out of space, but to be able to dribble out of space and create out of space, you know, and that speed that he has, you're seeing it on display. Just with a mismatch. It's, there's, that's something that's, that's a little bit missing. And then also when you bring in a new coach, right, it's always an interesting dynamic because when you bring in a new coach after a team has been unsuccessful, if the coach has been fired because he hasn't been, the team hasn't been performing, that's one thing because it's easier right. for the players to buy into a new manager. Okay, look, this is a change of direction. Cool. We, we've been, We've been all depressed and and on the outs with under this manager. There's a new coach coming in. It's a breath of fresh air. Cool. We're all. It's easy to buy into that. But now you've just won a championship, and then you lose your manager, and then a new one comes in who who maybe has some similar ideas, but it's still gonna be his way. It's gonna he's gonna have his own direction that he wants to go. It's a little bit harder, you know. I think that's a little bit of a of a, a challenge for both the players and for the manager. Uh, I'm not writing them off yet. I think there's still a little bit of a selling period for, for P.C. Martinez as well. It's not an easy league to come into, and it's different. The style of play is definitely different, so maybe he's taking a little bit of time to adjust. But just, a, you know, it's kind of interesting that you, like you said, there's that hangover period, but uh, both teams are going through it. Yeah. Well, I never thought, I, to be honest, I never thought Portland was that good. I think they found a way to play. Um played like sound team defensive soccer. And then you have Blanco and Valeri who, who can open a game up and counter. And so they, they started, they really honed in on a perfect system to, to compete. And they, and they actually went, I remember calling a game last year in Atlanta and they just like set up the Christmas tree and just defended like hell. And yeah. they haven't, they just haven't found that same form um, or continuity yet. And they might. I mean, I, I think they they kind of are, are going to hone in on what got them there last year and, and what they're missing because they're giving up goals this year that they, they just didn't give up. But yeah, for for me, yeah, I mean, did, were you did you by chance play under Aaron Venter in in Toronto, Mo? No, I was gone before that. I, I just haven't seen a Dutch coach be successful in this league. I, I don't know if it's this the you know the, the style um, that just isn't really suitable or. Yeah, the the class the class of player they they're used to dealing with more of a, a full team of technical stars um in the Eredivisie but uh yeah I, I I think that there's there's some uh, some trouble brewing in, in Atlanta just because you m- momentum in this league man and that's where I thought Cincy have surprised me because I, I was like man this is going to be a hard start for them and uh, they they're just kind of getting a little momentum and I and and you'll just outperform um how how good you really are and on the contrary when you're Atlanta if you're down in the dumps and you're questioning the coach and and uh we don't have Al Marone then then everything just gets a little bit harder I agree I agree with that I think it's uh, momentum is huge and I think that was a big catalyst for Portland getting to the final last year like you said they hit us they found a system and a a style of play that worked for them and they just they ran with that and like you said momentum one thing after another after another, just boom, 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 boom. All the chips fell in in in, in their places, and you just ride that wave. Right. Uh, but when you talk about when you talk about Galaxy and LAFC, it's I think I'm excited for how the season's gonna play out because what LAFC did last year, I don't know if it surprised people because there was so much hype coming into what that team was gonna look like. I I actually trained with them in preseason a little bit, so I had yeah. A yeah I was gonna say I thought you had a. I thought you had a little stint with them. Yeah. So I got to see what the team was looking like. And I was when so people asked me beforehand before the season, you know, who's your pick to win? And I said it was going to be a L.A. L.A. Uh, FC Atlanta final because that's how comp- that's how, right. I mean, how their team looked. Um, yeah. Obviously, on paper, it looked really good. But then when I went and trained with them, I was like, wow, they're 
And you know Bob. And Bob, Bob, yeah, that's right. Bob, he finds a way to get the best out of his players. He understands and knows this league well. He knows um, the players in this league. He knows the personnel. He knows what is what's required of these players. So there's a lot of a lot of confidence that um, he can he can exude onto that team and bring out of his players. Mo, at that time when you were training, clearly people knew about Carlos Vela and how good he was going to be, but. For the eye test for you, you know, did did you see it at that time? Guys like uh, Diego Rossi, um, you know, Latif Blessing and his energy coming in. Mark Anthony K has even after the injury now and recently with Canada has shown, hey, this guy's a, this guy's a good young player in this league. Were there were there nine names and guys like that that immediately impressed you during your time with LAFC? Yeah, uh, so Vela was a, he was uh, kind of in and out when I was there. He I think he was just on his way back, so he didn't really train. Um, or he got, I think he got in like the day after I left or something. I can't remember exactly, but he wasn't there very much. He was probably but, intimidated, didn't didn't really want to step on the field yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> let's say that's what it was. Um, but Rossi is definitely one that stood out to me. He's just a player that's so light on his feet. Um, change of pace is, is unbelievable. Quick, direct player. And I thought, you know, this guy's going to do some damage in this league. I don't. In all honesty, I thought he'll be here for a year, maybe two, and then they'll sell him on because I think he has a lot of potential to go on and play um, at a higher level. Latif is another one who – I love the kid, man. He's just he's just such a, a good kid off the pitch. Sure. A lot of energy, positive player, positive person. He's the kind of guy that you want in your dressing room because he he just plays with so much joy and passion, and, and you see that. I mean, he'll run himself into the ground literally. Like, he's – He's just a team player. Whether he's starting, whether he's coming off the bench, he's always happy. He's always going to – when his name is called upon, he's a player that you know you can depend on and bring so much to the game just because of his energy alone. But then also he has a skill set that's unique for that team as well. Um, Mark Anthony – Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. He, he came out. He wasn't there in training when I was there, but I knew – I know him anyway. Um, I actually saw him – I actually played against him when I was trying to do my recovery in Philly. I played with the Steel. Um, we played against them and – so I have a, I knew I knew of him already, and then I know of him from Toronto as well. Not that I played with them, but just knowing who he was. But I thought he was a big loss for them when he went out injured last year. Big time. All right, he started off the season really, really well. He'd formed like a good partnership with with Benny in that midfield, and I thought, look, if they can keep this team healthy, they can make it to the final. And then you know, a couple things happen, a couple pieces fall off, and the whole thing shifts a little bit. But it's good to see him back fit. I'm glad that he's playing with Canada now. Um, and I think he's going to be an important player for this team in that midfield going forward. Give us an yeah, idea yeah. as we, as we, ahead, uh, as we get ready to kind of wrap things up here and really again, appreciate you st- stopping by here with Dan and I, um, you know, w- w- what's on the front of the plate for you, what's coming up. You got this, some, some duties, I assume to continue champions league on the, the bleacher report, Turner sports stuff. But uh, are we going to see you also this summer, maybe on some gold cup and some MLS stuff? Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely doing stuff with with Turner for Champions League, um, calling some games with Fox as well, um, and then yeah, I'm sure I'll be playing a, a role at some capacity. The Gold Cup, there's Women's World Cup this summer, so being involved with that stuff as well. Just you're gonna see my face, man. All right, I'm gonna be out there. <laughs> you're, gonna see me on your TV. you're gonna get sick of seeing me. That's my goal. That's my goal. I want to get hearing my voice and and and. You're gonna be like turning on your TV, like, all right, I'm changing the channel. I'm tired of seeing this guy. <laughs> well, no, I saw I saw you a couple I I saw it, a couple months ago, Mo, and and um, you know, you said you retired and you hung him up, but man, you still look fit, like you're ready to kind of lace him up one more time. If they see you that if they see you that often, Mo. They might start calling. <laughs> but that coming out of retirement party's been a bit of theme lately for some guys. I don't know. I don't know if that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no indoor I mean, league around you, man. Right. What's that? I said there's no indoor league around 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 where you're living. You'd have to go down and, and join Landon in San Diego. <laughs> no, there's a, the one Jermaine just is joined is over this uh, way. Oh, Ontario. is it Ontario, oh, Ontario Fury, right? Yeah, no way. Ontario Fury. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. put, put Moa do and put and Jermaine Jones back to get back together in a in a tacking role on <laughs> the artificial surface. Don't start no rumors now. I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> what I'm doing right now. It's it's been good and. I kind of it's funny because that was kind of one of the things that I was a little bit wary about. You, you, you're a player for so long and um, 
now you're on that other side of things. So it's it's an it's an interesting space that I'm navigating and and still growing and still learning as much, taking on as much information as I can. But it, the one thing that I that I appreciate is that I'm enjoying it. You know, I enjoy just talking about the game. I enjoy being in the stadium and calling games. I enjoy being on on set and um and breaking down things and and you know analyzing different components of different games and all that kind of stuff is stuff that I really that I thoroughly enjoy so I'm I'm very fortunate very blessed to, to have these opportunities in front of me so I'm just enjoying them at the moment well and I also think that that I mean certainly it was in my case that helped with retirement too like stepping away from the game as you mentioned happens before you think it's going to happen um, no, no better way to participate than to go to a stadium and be able to explain what you're seeing. And you still have a relationship with guys on the field. You're rooting for them, but you're trying to be completely objective when you're calling it. Um, yeah. And, and, and in time, I mean, all that, you're getting so many reps on TV. I mean, you're, you're just going to continue to get better at it. Um, Mo, before, before you take off, if you're, if you're making a prediction on, on one of these two LA teams, making a, making a run deeper into the playoffs, who are you taking? Well, I, I, so right now, if you ask me at this exact moment, I would say LAFC, but I still think that Galaxy are going to add some pieces. I think that they're, you know, they're yeah, going to they got some enough. money. Yeah, they have some money to spend. I think they're going to add, they're going to, I don't think they're going to be too, um, it's not going to be rushed decisions. I think they, they're obviously done a, their due diligence and they've been scouting players and they've kind of assessed where they need to, they need to strengthen. So I think they're going to definitely add another piece, maybe as a center back, um, maybe another piece in midfield. And then obviously you, you can never go wrong with adding another striking, another striker. So I think they're going to strengthen, but at this, at this exact moment, I would say um, LAFC. Yeah, there you go. There you go. At Maurice, at Maurice Adu on Instagram, you can check him out. I'm sure he's got some great stories going behind the scenes. Boy, and, you, and what are you, platinum status already, man? You're racking up the frequent flyer miles <laughs> going from Southern California to Atlanta on a regular basis. Man, I'm, I'm just enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you stopping by. Um, you know, just three SoCal boys getting a chance to chat a little bit of soccer uh, is always a good thing, and that's um, we, we're happy to have you here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Be well, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Appreciate it, Mo. Good stuff there from Marisa Du. Um, you know, one thing I forgot to ask him, DK, was uh, I'm sure you guys actually matched up a couple of times. Did 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 you get the better of Mo, or did he did he? Sl- no, you know what? I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure we ever played against one another. Even um, in college, I would think uh, uh, his Maryland days. Your yeah, your I never Santa played. Days, yeah, no? yeah, no. I'm because I'm a, I'm a bit older than him for the college game, and then when he came back to Philly um maybe we played against each other when i was in dallas maybe or maybe yeah when i played when i played at philly with the galaxy but he wasn't on the field so um but we i mean it's just that network right you know each other you're from the same area um and we have a bunch of mutual friends and so through the years like chris pontius is a a great mutual friend of both of ours i'd go to philly go have dinner with chris and mo would come along uh, would you define him as a as a true number six? Because I felt like that yeah. was his best role, right? Sitting yeah. in front of a back four right. or a back three and just dominating that space. There. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a beast, man, and that's why I was so disappointed he had to retire at 32. Because he, he, I mean, it, he really he was injured for two years, and so he retired effectively at 30. I would say. I mean, he pushed hard to try to make it work, but the same with Stuart Holden. I mean, these young, amazing players that have to call it call it quits early because of injury um devastating because they both of those guys could have had long uh longer more successful careers with the u.s men's national team than they already had if they would have uh, had a little bit more luck on the on the fitness side of things i don't know if you've been keeping track here over the uh the first four weeks of oh, us doing here this podcast go. together but no no, no 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 you don't know where i'm going here uh we're gonna have to get a little more attacking prowess i think though on know, this on yeah, this just, you know we've, yeah, we've got a little defensive mind. heavy alan gordon's been our lone guy that, uh, that consistently scored goals so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and come up with something spectacular for next week for yeah, us all right time. <laughs> You've done most of the heavy lifting. I'm not going <laughs> to deny it. Uh, let's turn our attention to week five of Major League Soccer, 12 games over the weekend docket. Um, and first, it's going to be LAFC with their second road trip of the year, much shorter than their first when they got a point out at Yankee Stadium a couple of weeks ago. Well, they right, head let me, up. Let me let me let me tell you, they, this is going to be a beatdown. 
I don't. You said trap game last week against Real Salt Lake. I feel like yep. this could be a trap game. Oh, come on, man. This this San Jose team is is poor. Um, and haven't won a it, game yet. No, and they've been giving up goals. Um, Wando's still the only heart beating in that in that side. I I, I think LAFC um, go up there. They have the benefit of not having the week off. Uh, San Jose had a had a, a friendly match against Monterey. Um, and they just seem to be searching. Uh, so I, I think LAFC are going to take that game. No problem. All right. We'll get your scores when we get to the, uh, what's your hot take prediction segment at the, as we wrap things up in a moment. Um, but I will say this, uh, I think it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the quakes that these teams played each other in the preseason and San Jose actually had their way against Bob Bradley and LAFC and Bob Bob's comments to the press after losing, I think it was three, nothing in a scrimmage against the quakes were pretty scathing. He was very unhappy with the way his team played. And again, it's that physical style that teams seem to be taking in particular in the middle part of the field against LAFC this season uh, to try and knock them off of their stride. Uh, I expect a really physical game between these two teams. It's going to be good to see Mark Anthony K come back into the fold though as well, because he likes that physical style in the middle part of the park for LAFC. Yeah, and he he hasn't. I mean, he didn't skip. He hasn't skipped a beat so far to the start of this season. He, he's had really strong performances, and he's he's the he's the glue guy, man. He's the glue guy in midfield. Um, but to your point, if San Jose is going to get something out of this game, it's going to be because they are um, physically uh, outmatching LAFC. Because in my opinion, they they can't compete with them um, on the ball. There's no, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, they've, they've not been able to put the ball in the back of the net. Number one, they only have two goals so far uh, through a month of the season in Major League Soccer, and they've also conceded nine. Uh, so they're minus seven in terms of goal differential. Uh, granted, four of those nine coming in that 4-1 loss against uh, New York Red Bulls two weeks ago. Yeah, and but that's the the last real test they had in Major League Soccer. Um, and they in that game they're on the road. They get up one nothing for a little uh, little scare to the Red Bulls, um, and then just completely fall apart. And my my thinking is that this is a a very fragile group in San Jose. Um, so if the the longer the game goes along on uh, zero zero, um, or if they if San Jose can find a way to get an early lead, uh, then they'll be a little they'll have some confidence to them. But the minute LAFC take control of the game with with a goal um, and and go up one nothing or go up two to one, uh, I expect heads to go down, and um, that's when the game will open up even more for them. Last thing on this game, uh, you mentioned in our conversation with Mo Adu uh, the fact that. You haven't seen too many Dutch coaches come into Major League Soccer and have some success. Uh, obviously, Matias Almeida, uh, South American, you know, Latin flavor that he brings to the table. He hasn't had success at all so far. Do you draw any parallels that sometimes uh, Latin coaches don't immediately have success? Obviously, you throw Tata Martino out the window. Right. right. Yeah, Tata's a different, a different animal. Um I think they had good good leadership and guidance um, with Carlos Bocanegra um, bringing in players, and and that's what it takes. If you're going to have an international coach come to this league that didn't play in the league, um, didn't have experience with Major League Soccer as a, as a player or a coach in any capacity, then you have to have the leadership team um, above them to support them and help them uh, understand the nuances of, of Major League Soccer in San Jose. Um, they since since turning over uh, Dom Kinnear um, and searching um, for a coach to fill the void, their their general manager hasn't done a very good job in, in supporting that uh, coach with with the right acquisition. So this this club in general to me just seems like they're they're searching. Most teams that get a new stadium get a massive boost. Uh, you just haven't seen that in San Jose. Where's John Doyle when you need him? <laughs> he's, he's drinking his venti Starbucks somewhere. That's for sure. Uh, so that's a 12:30 start time Pacific Coast uh, time on Saturday. We move over to Sunday, and the final game of Week Five sees the LA Galaxy back in action. You mentioned a little earlier here on the pod that uh, we could see the Lion back into the lineup as the back. Galaxy Galaxy back. set to play host to the Portland Timbers. Portland. As, uh, as Marisa Du mentioned, has struggled an MLS Cup finalist a year ago, but they have struggled out the gate. Uh, what is going on with the Timbers, and what do you expect in a performance from the Galaxy? Well, 
I mean, the Galaxy, they're just a different team with Ibrahimovic in the lineup. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going out was, on a limb. I was being going out on a limb right here. There. Going out on a limb here, right? Um, but yeah, coming off of a, a performance for the Galaxy that really saw them take the first step forward with Corona, Leggett, and, um, and Jonah Dos Santos in midfield, combining, connecting, um, I think. Portland's struggles probably continue, um, as we talked about with Mo. I mean, this was a team last year that was so disciplined defensively, and they had that discipline from their difference makers in Valerian Blanco, and it just does, they don't seem as compact. compact. Um, they're not as hard to break down, and that's leading to more goals against. And this was a team last year that made the run that they they made because of of, of just being stingy on the defensive side and finding one goal um, to win a game. And uh, if you remember last year, I mean, they started really slow. I think they were eight games uh, eight games without a win. Yeah, uh, everyone everyone was calling for does can yeah, Giovanni Savarisi does he know right. what he's doing in this league right. right now? That's right. So slow start. Um, they're finding their way, but uh, this is uh, at home with the line. You got to win this game if you're the LA Galaxy. Yeah, and, and I think I think as as you alluded to a little earlier, I think the time off is going to do not only well because that gave Zlatan more time to get himself ready to get back out for for match play as opposed to just training. Um, but I think it's going to do them a little bit of, of good to not only be at home, but the last time they were out, they did get the win against the then undefeated Minnesota United club. Um, so I, I think that I think you're right there. I think it's going to be a case where um, it, they are going to be firing on all cylinders coming at home. We could, I, in my opinion, we could see the best performance of L.A. Galaxy so far this season. Yeah. And, and it's been I mean, Ibra, because he was hurt and, and he's, it's just been a quiet season so far. Um, and this is a guy that said he's going to break every record in Major League Soccer. So, is it, you know, is this if he gets the nod, if he's healthy enough to start uh, this, this may be that first big performance from him, too. I will say this. I do. I do like I still do like the midfield and what uh, Valeri Blanco, Diego Chara will be back in there for for yeah, a, Chara's a little pit bull, man. I, yeah, I, I do. You know, we discussed it a couple of weeks ago here, you know, how much ground he can cover and how he just disrupts when teams want to get into a fluid rhythm. So I do like those those three being back together. Um, and, and with that, we should probably turn to our predictions for what we're expecting score lines. Oh, baby. Oh, uh, baby. We need, we do need we do need some uh, music inserted here where we got like a dun 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 because people get How, tired. We don't, why do we need music when we when we have you? Yeah, that's right. When I can do that. Um, let's go let's go first to the LAFC game. Uh, you said you're expecting a blowout. So what kind of scoreline are you expecting? Well, LAFC still uh, I, I still have some questions around their defense. Um, just, so true. It, yeah, it it just seems like they they're. So so good in attack they're always a little bit susceptible to something um so i, I put the score line as 3-1 um over over san jose in san jose okay all right I mark it down mark it down um oh by the way uh coming in oh, through four, through four we weeks we through go. four weeks in the season uh rogan dino with rogan dino with a three-point lead <laughs> uh we both picked up a point last week for calling the lafc win neither of us had the correct score uh, and in our in our wild card pick, you had New York Red Bulls winning 2-1, which could not have been more wrong. Sasha Kleschen, uh gets the winner as Orlando City beat New York. And uh, I had FC Dallas tying 1-1 against Colorado. Uh, the Hoops went on to win that game 2-1. So uh, through four weeks, I'm at seven points. You are at four points now that we've reset that. Uh, my scoreline for the LAFC game is going to— you. Yes, the, the important— <laughs> The important stuff. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with LAFC actually getting their first shutout of the season. Wow. Uh, yes, and I, so I'm gonna call. I don't see. I mean, really, in the way, in the huh? attack, there's not a ton. There's not a ton for San Jose. I expect them actually to trail in possession. So, which yeah. means I don't think that they're gonna have a huge number of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the what late state, this is thought out. This is this is this is a two nothing win for LAFC. This is a two nothing win on the road for LAFC, um, and I think uh, I think I think Vela gets another one. He's he's on a tear right now, and I think Vela is going to get another one. So to Sunday's game and the LA Galaxy. Now things are getting a little bit interesting. Um, what do you have for the Galaxy this weekend? I got Galaxy two one victory. Ibrahimovic two goals with the double. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Comes back and he just puts the ball in the back of the net twice. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's okay. if he starts. If he doesn't start, they'll still win two one. But oh, you said two nothing is your is your call. Two one. Two one. Two one. Two one. Rogan Dino, please yeah. try and keep Get up. Your plus out of your Please try and keep up. Uh, I'm actually going to take it a step further. I think I think Ibra is in there. He makes a huge difference. Uh, I think Portland has some attacking ideas, and that they can definitely get one on the road, a la what they did against the Gal- uh, excuse me, LAFC a few weeks back when it was 1-1 uh, in that game, in the early parts of that game, only to go on and lose 4-1 as things fell apart in the second half. So I'm actually going to call the Galaxy with a 3-1 win in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the, I, I think they have three goals in them. Wow. I, and, and again, like I said, I think this is, I think this is for the Galaxy. I think this is their best performance to date here in 2019 of the MLS season uh, coming their way. I like that optimism. Okay, so now it's when we get tricky here, DK. Before we wrap it all up, you get to go first. You get to go first. It's the wild cards. It's wild. Um, Okay, I am going to go with actually a team that came off of a defeat last weekend. And so that gives you a little bit of an idea where I'm going. And is going to see the return of some of their internationals. And will be playing at home. I'm going to go with the struggles continue for Atlanta United and Columbus playing host to the five stripes. Columbus crew SC gets a 2-1 win at home. Wow, that's big. Um, Well, I mean, that's big. That's bold. I'm glad we don't have the same pick. Um, So turning to mine, I like like a road team for the win. I think Vancouver's uh, struggles continue even at even even at home. Seattle's heading up there and going in for the uh, smash and grab. Seattle's in good form, um, and I, I I like them for a two nothing victory. It's got trap game written all over it. It's got trap game written all <laughs> yeah, over a, it. It is the Pacific uh, Northwest rivalry. The cat, the cat is that a little is that in the Cascadia Cup up there? Yeah, with, yeah. With those two teams right there. Yeah. Okay, so you have Seattle on the road, who obviously Seattle, Seattle, Seattle's unbeaten so far this season. Um, and Vancouver is, as you said, not off to a very good start. So uh, book those picks, ladies and gentlemen. We got uh, both the Galaxy and LAFC winning this weekend, different score lines here. So that'll certainly play into who picks up some extra points for next week's show. And Kennedy has Seattle winning 2 nothing. I have Columbus Crew SC winning uh, 2-1 at home as the struggles continue for the defending MLS Cup champs. It's going to be interesting then how week five how week five comes about. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the, the good news, uh, I think, for the, the sake of uh, of what we do here in this market and this podcast and both L.A. teams is we're, you know, we, we think that they're going to go out and get some wins. Um, so I, I still put uh, LAFC a little bit ahead of the galaxy in terms of, of where the team is at and in, in competition. But, um, yeah, this this rivalry should be heating up nicely. Yeah, it's not much of a rivalry on our picks right now. I've got like a three-point three, <laughs> three point advantage right now. So, <laughs> But, hey, it, it, it's, a, it's a marathon, days. not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. All right, that's going to do it for our week five coverage here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Uh, DK, make it a great weekend, and uh, we'll catch up again next right, week. Do it, do it all over again. Sounds good. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.